So we're Genesis chapter 23 today. And as we read, we remember this is God's word. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered, saying to him, Hear us, my lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth, and he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me at the full price as property, for the burial place among you. Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of all the sons of Heth who entered at the gate, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land, And he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. But what is that between you and me? So bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephron was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth, before all who went in at the gate of his city, And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. Amen. We thank God that he blesses us when we read his truth. Before we come to think about this passage together. Let's commit our hearts to God in prayer. Let's pray. Our great God, we thank you that you have given us the scriptures as a gift. And in the Bible, you teach us about yourself. And so we ask that you would help us as we think through this story of of the father of our faith and, and the death of his wife, Sarah, 
help us to understand what it's teaching us today, all these thousands of years later, all these thousands of miles away, help us to understand how it applies to our lives. We need the help of your Holy Spirit to do that. That's not something we can do for ourselves. And so we ask, O God, that you would give us that help. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm sure that over the past week, every one of us has been thinking about the death of Queen Elizabeth in one shape or form. It's something that's affected every one of us. Even if you're not interested in the monarchy, you can't have avoided the reality of the situation. And something that's been on my mind as as I've tried to speak about the Queen's death in school assemblies over the last week, and, and even last Sunday as we reflected on it before the service, something that's been on my mind is this. Death is a reality. Death is a reality. It, it comes to us all. I think it was actually Boris Johnson who I read saying that we as a nation had somehow convinced ourselves that the Queen would be a permanent fixture in all our lives. She had lived for 96 years. She was Queen for 70 of them. Somehow we had become convinced that she would in fact live forever. But what we all know now is that is not the case. And yet don't we kind of wish that it was? Don't we wish that death wasn't a reality? Deep down, don't don't we know that this world is not the way it should be? We are acutely aware of the issues in this world, aren't we? The, the stresses and the strains of this world. We all know pain and, and suffering. None of us is beyond understanding that people get sick and die. None of us is beyond knowing that there are things in this world which are unfair. None of us is beyond the truth that we live in a world where hunger and persecution and war and destruction and terrorism are a reality. And so as people who live in this world, surely, surely we long for a better world. Surely we long for a world of peace, a world of justice, a world where sickness and suffering do not get the final word, a world where death does not hold power over us. What we long for is the world that is promised to us in Christ. It's the world we heard about in our call to worship, a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What we have before us today, this this passage tucked away in the middle of Genesis, is almost like a signpost to that new world. It's like a signpost to the reality and truth of what was promised to Abraham, what is promised to all of us who trust in Jesus by faith. This is a passage that we've all had experience of in the last week. The death, the burial of a very important woman. Not the queen, but Sarah. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, the the mother of all Christian people. I've heard it said more than once that 
the death of the queen was like the nation losing a grandmother. And I'm sure in some sense we can all associate with that. But in God's providence, today he's brought us to this passage, the death of another woman of faith. An important, a historic woman. A woman who in a sense could be said to be the mother of the Christian faith. In Genesis 23 verse 1, we are told that Sarah lived 127 years and then died in the land of Canaan. She is the only woman in all of the Bible whose lifespan is recorded for us. Sarah is special. She is precious to everybody who calls themselves a Christian. Because just as Abraham is our father, so Sarah is our mother. She is the one through whose womb God brought forth the child of promise, Isaac. And it's through Sarah that God kept his promise to send a rescuer. The serpent crusher came through Sarah's line. Without Sarah, there's no line to Christ. And so Sarah is precious and her death is significant. But there's a major difference between Sarah and Queen Elizabeth, isn't there? The Queen's funeral will take place tomorrow. After 10 days of mourning, the nation will come to a standstill. And Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II will finally be laid to rest within the grounds of Windsor Castle. The Queen of the country buried within her own land. Sarah, on the other hand. Sarah passes as a stranger and an alien in the land. She has no burial ground. So even after the period of mourning, Abraham has nowhere to lay Sarah to rest. And so this passage, as much as it is about the death of Sarah, it's actually about Abraham buying a piece of land. Don't know if any of you know anything about any of that, buying some land. But of course, as is often the case with Scripture, there's an even deeper meaning. It's not merely recording a deal done between two men so that Sarah would have a grave plot. This chapter of Scripture is something of a down payment. It's a down payment on the promise that God made to Abraham in previous chapters of Genesis. You see, this piece of land, it's small. It's a small piece of land, but it's in Canaan. It's in the land of promise. And so this is the first piece of property in Canaan that comes into the possession of Abraham. In a way, it's a down payment of what God has promised, that the whole land of Canaan will belong to Abraham and his family forever. I'm going to break the passage up into three sections to help us work through it together. First, there is the death. Then there is the deal. And finally, the down payment. So first of all, the death. And here I simply want us to notice the reality of the situation. As I said, Sarah is the wife of Abraham. She was married to the very man who received the promises of God for all eternity. Sarah is the one who bore the child of promise. And so, as we've said, she is a special woman. She's a remarkable woman. 
She's given this honour of being the only woman in all of the Bible to have her age recorded. But nonetheless, the reality of life in this world is that death waits for each one of us. And so it came in Kirjath Arba in the land of Canaan. It came to Sarah. And so Abraham came to mourn for her. And maybe this is something we understand as a nation this week, mourning for the late queen. But I also know that many, if not most of us here today, have felt this pain of loss personally in our own lives. Maybe the loss of a grandparent. Maybe the loss of a parent or a brother or a sister. Maybe some of you know the worst pain of losing a child. Grief and mourning is real in those times. The Bible does not shelter us from that. It doesn't hide us from reality. The Bible is brutally honest. So in Genesis 23, after a special and a blessed life, Sarah died. And the point for us today is that mourning is real. And Abraham genuinely laments the passing of his wife. But there's something different about the way he does it. You see, Abraham trusted in the promises of God. And so he mourns, but he doesn't mourn without hope. One of the verses I turn to over and over at the time of a funeral is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. In that verse, the Apostle Paul writes this. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Paul goes on to explain the resurrection and how the resurrection brings hope. There's a day in the future when each person who has trusted in Christ will be raised up from the grave. Their body and soul will be reunited and we will be together. We will be together with those who have gone before us. And we will meet the Lord in the air. Paul goes on to explain, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And he finishes the chapter by saying, therefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, we shall all die. Even if we make it to 96 like the queen, or even if we make it to 127 like Sarah, we will all die and we will all lose loved ones in this life. And while death is a horrible evil and it should be mourned over, we do not sorrow as those who have no hope. Because along with Abraham, we believe in the resurrection. We believe that Christ has overcome the grave. Death no longer rules over us. We believe in the one who has defeated death. And so we believe that we will see loved ones again. But even better than that, we will see them as we are gathered together with them to meet Jesus, our Saviour, the death defeater. And we will be with him forever. Now the reason I know that Abraham believed this is because of what he does next. He goes out to buy a burial plot. And we hear about it. The deal 
Many of you might think Abraham is unwise at this point. You wonder why has he not already secured a burial plot? Many people here already know exactly where you will be buried. Perhaps you even look over your burial plot each Sunday as you enter and leave worship. The place is right outside this building. We need to remember that Abraham is different from us in a sense. He, He is a wandering pilgrim. Unlike most of us, he left his homeland. The call of God on his life was that he would leave the place where he grew up, leave the house of his father, and in faith he went to the place where God told him to go, even though he did not know where he was going. And so while God promised him that the land of Canaan would be his possession, he hadn't actually purchased any of the land. And maybe it was even because of God's promise. Maybe he was waiting for the land to become his before he bought any. But the death of Sarah moved things on and now Abraham has to do something with the body of his wife. Where will she rest until the resurrection? And so we have this deal which takes place between Abraham and Ephron the Hittite for a burial plot. The deal itself is quite interesting I'm sure you thought that as we read through it. it. It gives an example of how things were done in those days in front of witnesses. And there's a lot of bowing low before the, the important men at the city gate. But what is really interesting for us is Abraham's insistence twice that he actually be allowed to buy the land. He doesn't want to be given the land. He wants to buy it. You see, had Abraham simply accepted this offer, bury your dead, well, then there's no guarantee that Abraham could even visit the grave. And actually, if the body of Sarah lay long enough to decompose, then that grave could be used for someone else. And so Abraham insists that he buy the plot and he pay the full price for it. And in this way, he guarantees that the land will belong to him and his family forever. Now, Ephron, it seems it's a bit of a swindler. I don't know if you picked that up as we read it. He sees that Abraham is insistent and he sees that Abraham is wealthy. And he manages somehow to convince Abraham to buy a field as well as the cave that is in the field. But in the end of of all of this ritual of buying and bartering, the deal is done. And Abraham, the wandering pilgrim, owns a field. And not only does he own a field, he owns a field in Canaan. A plot in the promised land. And so he doesn't take Sarah's body back to Ur of the Chaldeans where he came from. Abraham buries Sarah in the promised land. I think there's an important point of application for us here. Often we can wait around. We can wait for God to move, for God to work in our lives or in the lives of our friends or families. Perhaps that's what Abraham was doing, that he was just waiting for the land to become his in in some miraculous way. But often God doesn't work like that. God works through means. God works through people. He uses his people to carry out his will. And so here we read about God using Abraham. 
he uses the wealth that Abraham had been blessed with to bring a field in the promised land into the possession of his people. So it is for us. We can't just sit around waiting for for God to strike our family, our friends, our neighbours with knowledge of himself. God has revealed himself to us in the Bible and he's given us that as a gift. Perhaps it's down to us to take the Bible to others or even better to, to bring others to the scriptures. Bring other people to God's word as it's read and preached here each Sunday. Think too about the outreach evening, maybe in in October. This is something hopefully that you can easily invite non-Christian family and friends to so we can share company together and so that people can hear God's word. If you haven't started already, please do begin to pray about that. Back to our passage, Sarah is buried in a place that Abraham can return to with no restriction. She's buried in a place where Abraham can be laid beside her But most importantly, she's buried in a place that now belongs to Abraham and his family. Abraham takes care and attention to bury the place where Sarah is buried. And I think that shows us that Abraham knew that this was not the end. He knew there was better to come for Sarah. He didn't look back to the country of his father. He looked forward to a better and a heavenly country. Abraham didn't live to see the coming of Christ in the flesh. He didn't live to see Sarah rise from the grave, but he certainly believed in the resurrection. He embraced the promise of God for Sarah's future, that she and he would one day together worship God. One day again, they would worship God. And this brings us to our final point. The down payment. I don't know, boys and girls, have you ever been in an ice cream shop and you just can't decide what to get? And then you hear those magic words, would you like to try before you buy? And those wee spade spoon things come out and you get to have a taste of the ice creams. You don't get the whole cone or the whole tub. You just get a wee taste. You get a glimpse at the flavour. We might call it a foretaste. That's what Abraham gets here. The field is only the beginning. It's only a foretaste of what is to come. It's a mere down payment of what God has promised. We can think about the people of Israel reading this passage, maybe during the reign of Solomon. Think about the reign of Solomon. Think of the, the grandeur and the majesty of Solomon's kingdom. All of the buildings and the people and the beautiful places. All the glamour of the gold and the gemstones. The the wonderful feasts, the banquets that were held. All of that came from a field with a cave in it. What Abraham received here is not the full thing. It's a down payment. It's a guarantee of what is to come for the people of God. But friends, even the splendor of Solomon in all of his reign is nothing. It's nothing compared with the eternal rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Abraham looked forward not to Solomon's day, but to the day of Jesus. To a better city, 
a heavenly city. As the writer of Hebrews tells us in the New Testament, Abraham waited for the city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And what is promised to Abraham is promised to us. We are his children by faith and we share in his inheritance. The cave at Machpelah was merely a down payment. You can go there today if you want and you can see the cave the same as you can see the sycamore tree that Zacchaeus climbed. But what God promised is much greater and better than just a cave. God has promised a world which all of us long for deep down. A world which in our darkest moments we have hoped for. A world where there is no pain. Where there is no suffering. A world where cancer and dementia are no more. A world where death has been defeated. Just like Abraham, we are strangers here. There is a reason why violence and terrorism does not feel right. There's a reason why injustice and poverty and hunger feel wrong. There's a reason why death is mourned over as evil. And the reason is we are not at home here. Like Abraham, we look forward to a homeland, a better place where we will feel free and we will feel at home. A world promised to us as an inheritance, paid for through the death of Christ, a place that Jesus himself has prepared for us through the cross. A world where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Where there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. It sounds wonderful. It's all bought and paid for. It's the world we wait for today as we trust in Jesus. This lies before everybody who has faith in Christ. God will bring us there in his own time. A new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Let's pray together.